Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Want to learn a new language? And who doesn't? Well, experience immersive lessons from the most trusted language app, Rosetta Stone. You know you keep telling yourself you want to learn a new language. The True Accent feature even gives feedback on your pronunciation so you can speak the language like a native. Find lessons as short as 10 minutes, making it easy for you to learn anytime, anywhere. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to StarTalk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. StarTalk begins right now. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist at the American Museum of Natural History in New York City, where I also serve as director of the Hayden Planetarium. This week, my co-host is comedian Chuck Nice. Chuck! Hey, Neil. You've been away too long. I know, man. I've missed you. Oh, I'm, my gosh. I haven't seen you in a I while. I love you, man. I love you too, man. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to break out some beer. <laughs> Normally, that comes at the end of the beer conversation. Oh, there you go. Well, there you, you go. It, great to have you back. You were like the ideal person for this subject. Oh, fantastic. Because this topic is, we're calling it Packing for Mars. Sweet. Sending humans to the red planet. Nice. And, uh, not that you're necessarily an expert on Mars. but Or packing. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying, right? <laughs> you never know what you need to pack to That's go to Mars. Right. Uh, but I, there was just so many weird and odd things that an astronaut had to go through. I just figured you'd be the right person to offer critical commentary. On the running, awesome. On the running of this. I couldn't do this without like, – we needed an astronaut in studio Always. just to offer commentary. And we brought the one, the only – the hometown kid, Mike Massimino, yeah. live NASA astronaut. Mike, welcome back to Star Talk. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Is it, this like your third me. or fourth appearance? Uh, I guess. We'll have to like put you on payroll <laughs> after <laughs> this. <laughs> no, that's all right. Then you might expect a little more from me. <laughs> right. I don't want to set the bar too high. There you, are, there you go. You're, you're a veteran of two space shuttle missions, STS-109. That was on Columbia, by the way, which was. we lost a few missions later. Yep. And STS-125 Atlantis, both service the Hubble telescope. My man, where would we be without the Hubble telescope? Well, we would still be here, but we would be uh, poorer for it. That's yes. right. And, yep. It would so make a big difference in we, our lives, in everyone's lives. We'd be psychically poorer, Absolutely. I think, for that. Right. And so, uh, so let me just find out. Oh, I just realized you were like the first astronaut to tweet from space. Is that is that right? 
That's right. Yeah, I was the, the first guy. In, uh, and you was, had like a zillion Twitter followers, like overnight for that. N- not quite a zillion, but over a million. <laughs> yeah, we that's got, the same thing. We a got zillion, a lot. A zillion, a million. That's yeah, the same yeah. thing. When, you de- when you're dealing in astronomy, zillions, billions, <laughs> right. trillions, it's all, you know, it gets mixed up in there. Yeah, I, all I want to ask you is, who is your carrier? Because <laughs> I can't get service in my apartment and you're <laughs> tweeting from space. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, I have to ask, you know, Neil, Armstrong, it was one small step for mankind. Right. What was your first tweet? Oh, I actually, they made fun of my first tr- tweet uh-huh. on a Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And it, that's the one, one of the one of the few things that got my kids excited uh, was that they mentioned it. And what I tweeted was, uh, a launch was awesome. I'm feeling great. Adve- the adventure has begun. But what they said on Saturday Night Live was, you know, that I, they mispronounced my name, but that was okay. But they said, you know, I, I said, uh, launch was awesome. So I said, in 40 years, we've gone from one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, to launch was awesome. If I ever found aliens, I would treat, I would, I would tweet, geez, guys, look, aliens. <laughs> so it really, I guess it wasn't as momentous as I thought it would be. It was not as deep as no. it might have been. Right, but you okay. know me well enough. So for me, that is actually pretty deep. Yeah, that was pretty deep yeah. for, for Mike. I launch was awesome. That's about as much as you're going to get. Right. So yeah. Mike, would you go to Mars? I would, yeah. I, sure. You're an astronaut. You've, yeah. you've been to only been to low Earth orbit, right? A couple hundred miles up. Yeah. Right, three where, Hubble is what three hundred miles up. About uh, three fifty, a uh, three fifty statute, three hundred nautical. Yeah, you have statute issues. Well, we got, <laughs> statute gives you, you know, it's a smaller, it's a smaller measurement, so you can it can means it's more impressive. <laughs> okay. When you use, you know, you say, oh, it's really three hundred and fifty. So I just, yeah. You know, so there's I, more I, I miles. Fell into a bad habit there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's more impressive. Three hundred and fifty versus three hundred. So yeah. statute miles is what the rest of us use. That's right. right like right, when you're yeah. driving a car and you know it says it's, how it's, far you got to get to the next town. It's two hundred and twenty yeah. statute miles from New York to Washington. There you go. Yes, See, yes. it's okay. more impressive if you say, well, it's like 250. Right. Okay. Yeah, so that's, yeah. All right. So would you go to Mars? I would. Yeah, I think that would, I think most astronauts would answer that question, yes. Wait, wait, those cool. who wouldn't would say no? I don't think any, I I, th- I think it would be a wonderful experience. I think it'd be worth the time and uh-huh. training to put into it and the sacrifice that would be involved. Uh, well, sure, it takes almost a year great. to get there. Wow. It's a, it is a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I think the reward of getting there and the significance of it and being able to be a part of that would be uh, would be worth the sacrifice. You know what we did uh, for Star Talk? I interviewed uh, Mary Roach, who's a, a sort of journalist author, writes about really cool, yeah. weird stuff. Cool. And one of her books is actually called Packing for Mars. Ah. And so let's go to my first clip. Just find out what her her what her studies have shown her about I- item one: packing for Mars. <laughs> You've written a bunch of books on such a wide range of subjects, and one of them is about Mars, for goodness sake. You want to be the first in line to go? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, will, the title is Packing for Mars. Yeah, I will happily go to the moon two and a half years in a small space with people that I didn't choose. I mean, I'm, a, I'm just an irritable person. Because the moon is only know. a few days away, and yeah, Mars is yeah. years. You could do the moon in a week, week and a half, but Mars? Are you kidding me? No. Would you go? Is there no one that you know that you're friendly enough to spend that much time with? Yeah, you can't get out. I mean, you're stuck for... No, no, you go. I, so maybe I you, want that warp speed thing. Maybe you need city people to go to Mars because we're accustomed to being very close to one another living in small spaces. Well, uh, the Japanese are speaking very, very generally. Good astronauts for a number of reasons. Small payload, used to tiny spaces, not much privacy. Mm-hmm. And also, again, obviously speaking as in generalities here, raised to be not confrontational and aggressive, but polite mm-hmm. and respectful. So mm-hmm. all of those things make them... Ideal candidate. 
candidates for this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike. Wow. So, so Mike, are you not comfortable? Your your name is Mike Massimino. Yeah. <laughs> you're from wait, wait, where? Are you you're from New York. I'm from New York. Yeah. So. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. According to her, you are the worst candidate for an astronaut. <laughs> because you're ever. big. You're six <laughs> four. What, what? You're like heavy. You're from New York. I'm I'm keeping her away from any decision process involved with flight <laughs> assignments. I'm glad she's not the chief of the office. You're like the opposite. Of the yeah. Chief of the astronaut. No, I'm office. a big goon, and I and I need a lot of food and and, and large clothing. <laughs> it wouldn't work. I'm the complete opposite of what she described. I'm not polite, loud, annoying. Oh my god, I'd have to be a solo flight. Right. And the only reason they'd send me is to get rid of me. Apparently. Right. Right. Let's get rid of that guy for a couple years. So here's the problem: you get to Mars, and there's like there's no air. There's you know it's freezing. You have radiation from the sun. You'd have to live in like pressurized habitats. I mean, it's different from just the cushy space shuttle that you went up and back in. Yeah, it's it, she's perfectly right though uh, on a, on a lot of. Th- I mean, everything she said, of course, but uh, but particularly the psychological aspect of having to go for that long a, a period of time, getting mm. along with people. Uh, the uh, you know the emotional support would need to be a big part of that mission for you yeah. for me yes <laughs> more more important for my crewmates yeah. so do you need I wonder if you need uh, like in the old days the kings had court gestures do we need like to bring to send Chuck along so uh, he could like entertain oh, people the whole way absolutely now the only problem is I would just be saying are we there yet <laughs> the entire trip <laughs> but having a guy like Chuck or you would be a good idea <laughs> having guys that are fun is, is really important on that type of mission we gotta wrap up the first segment when we come back more on packing for Mars. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. We're back to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host. And with me in studio is comedian Chuck Nice. Yes, very nice. And on this show where we talk about packing for Mars, what it takes to go and the challenges therein, had to do that with an astronaut, and we went to our favorite man about town, Mike Massimino, a New Yorker. Live astronaut. I mean, you're an mm-hmm. active astronaut right now. I st- yeah, still am in the office. Yep. Yes, <laughs> you're still, <laughs> still there. But he's but he's 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 very surly. He's nothing like those Japanese astronauts. No, those are the people you want to hang around. Yeah, with. Yeah, as we learned, uh, if we're going to have a long mission, you need people who not know how to get along, right. And are not confrontational. And the New Yorkers apparently don't fit that. Mm-hmm. New Yorkers and black men. <laughs> is that as, what that is? Aside from me and Neil, we're delightful. <laughs> You guys would be great on that. I think the three of us would be great on that mission. That'd be cool. That I don't know if Mary be. Roach would agree, but I think we'd have a good time. Mary Roach, we, yeah, we're checking because she wrote yeah. the book, Packing yeah. for Mars, and did all the homework on what that might take. So there, there are a lot of challenges. Uh, one of them is radiation because, as you know, Earth has a magnetic field, mm. and that magnetic field deflects highly, uh, highly energetic charged particles from the sun because the sun is a turbulent place. Right. Very, you know, it burps up plasma every now and then. Plasma is just what it's made of, so that I'm not saying anything deep there. Right. The sun is plasma. It burps. Plasma comes out. Okay. And pla- You know, my kid used to <laughs> do that. <laughs> What's it glowing? <laughs> so, I would pat him on the back and he would burp up plasma all over me. <laughs> he got over that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Now he does it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, so... So, uh, so plasma is 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 charged. It's a gas, but a lot of the 
molecules, uh, atoms or molecules, have been ionized. So they're electrons freely floating within the gas. And so the thing can respond to magnetic fields. Hmm. And so here's this blob of this plasma pie coming from the sun to Earth. It sees our magnetic field and deflects to our poles. Wow. And those particles, upon streaming down to Earth, collide with our atmosphere, and they render it a glow, and it makes the aurora, the northern lights. Is that cool? Wow. Oh, that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I didn't, you know what? I got to tell you, Neil, I was sitting here like, where the hell is he going with this? <laughs> but now I actually just learned something. Well, that's that's what Star Talk is about, Chuck. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> now, in fact, we did a whole show on the sun, and we talked yeah. about, they're called coronal mass ejections, in uh -huh. case you were wondering. Yeah, okay. Um, I was going to say, Chuck, do you ever have coronal mass ejections? You know what? Um, <laughs> I was about to make a nocturnal reference. <laughs> and I caught myself. I was going to say, is he going to go there or not? <laughs> so, uh, so here's the problem. If you go outside of this protective magnetosphere, mm -hmm. not from X-Men, magne magnetosphere, uh, then you are susceptible to this high-energy radiation. And so, so Mike, you've been within the, the blanket, the protective blanket. Yeah. Take you outside of it, there, there are issues not yet resolved, and it's mm -hmm. just a big challenge. Yeah. And we don't know if we can protect you, and if we, if we can't, you might, you know, you might get sterile. Uh, uh, what? 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 That's crazy. No one told me that. <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed that part of the briefing. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Let me write this down. I got to tell my friends. You just single-handedly ended the space program. <laughs> Forget that. Have you finished having children? We just No reason. No reason. Yeah. <laughs> so here's what happens. It's not just whether the sun burps up plasma. It has to be a plasma pie headed our way. Okay. Because it, it can send it other directions, but we don't care. Right. It just has to head be headed our way. And so what you'd have to do is you'd have to take this mission during a time when the sun is quiet. Sun has an 11-year cycle where it peaks in these emissions and then it, it it's it's quiet. And it's an 11-year cycle. So you have to plan these missions accordingly or shield the craft. And uh, one way is uh, water will actually is a good absorber of this. Cool. And so there's a thought maybe you'd have a shell of water around your craft and then you'd sort of drink that and recycle it. And so it, it's an unsolved problem, but it's not unsolvable for sure. You just get some clever engineers. You're an engineer, right, by training? Mike? I am, yes. Yes. But, uh, you left off clever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. So – so you got that. Now, because all the astronauts are together, um, there's not much privacy, right? I mean... Yeah, you need to respect each other's privacy. Yeah. Well, how do you do yeah, that if yeah. you're crammed in a love seat together? Like, how... Uh, you you just, you know, you try to get along. Uh, on the shuttle, it was fairly small compared to the space station, uh, especially. But, uh, you know, when you need to use the restroom or uh, The restroom, change, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, when you got to go to potty. There yeah. are, there are mm -hmm. privacy uh, curtains, and uh, you just try to have uh, respect for each other so, uh, so mm -hmm. no one gets embarrassed. Okay, well, actually, we have a whole, we're going to devote a whole segment to going okay. to potty. Uh, right. so, but I'm worried about cabin fever. You're there and cooped up in a small space for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's you know that's a big issue even uh, on the space station missions. And we've learned a lot from our from our presence on the space station for almost twelve years now, where we've continually had people up there. And one of the issues of as you've already mentioned a couple like like the radiation and uh -huh. what we can do to shield people from that and understanding yeah. that, but also a lot of it is the psychological, the cabin fever and. Uh -huh. and uh, one of the things is trying to remain in contact with the Earth. You know, keep 
Uh, they have a phone they can use on board that they can call from at certain parts of the day where they get coverage. Is it red? It is. <laughs> no, it's not because because then it would only go to the president. Yeah. So all red phones only go to the president. Right. So, <clears throat> but here's that uh, because one one of the goals is to make a habitat on Mars, and yeah. so that way you create a little bit of Earth. On Mars, yeah, you want to try to recreate home, bring there things you, you like, uh, You're making and try home. to make you feel comfortable, or else you it you it can really be a, a problem. You, you go, so so do you ever have the urge to just break through one of the uh, living areas with an axe and go, "Here's Johnny," like <laughs> no and, that kind of cabin fever? No, you know that's why you don't have any axes on the. Uh, <laughs> we have different we, don't, we have different ways to suppress fire. Let's find out what Mary, Mary Roach had something to say about uh, about what it is to live in the, the psychology of different habitats. Of living in a Mars habitat. Let's check out what she says. They do analog studies, and that means they pick a place like Antarctica where people are confined and isolated. In Antarctica, you're not in a box, but you might as well because if you wander off, you die, you freeze. So they're stuck on their base together. I can imagine how that goes. I've heard that joke before. Yeah, I've heard that story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. After about six weeks, you get this irrational antagonism sets in where the very things you loved about your crewmate initially begin to just drive you crazy. Like the way they take off their boot and drop it. Of course, in space, your boot would be floating. The way you take off your boot and not stow it. The way you unzip your boot. Yeah, you unvelcro your pen or whatever. These little things start to really bug you. And you get very frustrated. Wait, that's the same thing with married people. People have been married 40 years. Yeah, marriage is a good space analog. You see, so married couples are space analog. I just made that up. Brilliant. But what happens is generally you get frustrated and then that kind of turns to anger. And in space, you've got three things you could do with anger. You could take it out on your crewmates, bad idea, because you depend on them for your survival. So, okay, or you can take it out on mission control. And you see this in the mission transcript. Or you could take it out on your ship, but that would be devastating. That would be bad with taking an axe. Mm -hmm. No, you don't want to do that. But you can see in the mission transcripts, like Gemini 7, Jim Lovell was taking it out on the nutritionist, the guy who invented the food. He's like, memo to Dr. Chance, chicken a la king, cereal number 654, cannot even squeeze food through neck. And then like two minutes later, further memo to Dr. Chance, chicken a la king, all over window at this time. I think you can do better at $300 a meal. I mean, just really taking it out. Crabby. Poor Dr. Chance, yeah. And yeah, Gemini, yeah. how long was Gemini? A no, couple Gem- of weeks. Gemini 7 was the longest two weeks. A couple of weeks. Try six months. Try, try two years. Years. Three years, I know. The third thing, you turn it inward, you get depression. And depression actually has been a problem with some of those mirror and ISS. So what is the profile of the person who would be less susceptible to these weaknesses? You know what you want? And I don't know how you find these people, but Commander Whitson from the ISS. This is a woman. International Space Station. Yes, International Space Station. I was watching NASA TV and somebody radios to her and says, Commander Whitson, those photos you took this morning, we can't find them. Okay, if it were me, I'd go, what do you mean you can't find them? I spent the whole morning. I don't have time. I got a lot to do. She goes, that's not a problem. We'll do them again. Like just unperturbable. You cannot make this woman angry. That's what you need. You need to find those people who are unflappable. Just nothing bothers them. I think I'm pretty unflappable. Actually, I'm not the judge of that. You need others to make you're, that you're decision. You're too tall. You're too big. Sorry. <laughs> you're not going to get chosen. <laughs> My producers are shaking their head now, pointing at me, saying, no. Saying, saying flappable, flappable. You, you liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Mike. Do you get along with your fellow astronauts? Yeah, uh, and, and it's, wait, it's wait, like, he hesitated there, didn't no, he? No, no, uh, uh, no, absolutely. And uh, I think one, yeah, one that's thing the party that line. Said, yes, I get along. With well, <laughs> yeah, but as long as you don't talk to them, I get along fine. <laughs> right. don't, don't get their opinion about me. But what she said, one of the things she said I thought was very interesting was the the personality type. And we're actually going through an astronaut selection now. We just okay. started, 
And people all the time ask me, what does it take to be an astronaut? And it's not always the smartest person, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it is very important to be able to get along with people, particularly now with these long-duration missions. It's uh, You need to be able to live with someone for a long time who is unflappable, easy to get along with. And those are the things that are hard to quantify well, in people. When we come back, more on packing for Mars. And I want to talk a little bit more about the stress that you might experience getting the job done or the stress about doing nothing. This is Star Talk Radio. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. You are listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. With me in studio, Chuck Nice. Hey, Chuck, uh, you're hilarious on stage, and I, I don't want to be the only one to know that. So for others to find you, it's just ChuckNice.com. ChuckNice.com, right? hilarious on stage, as opposed to what I am on the show. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I promise. <laughs> and in studio, <laughs> active NASA astronaut Mike Massimino. We're talking about going to Mars. And Mike, and, and, and what challenges that involves just to, like, not get into a fight with your fellow astronauts. And, and what are some frustrating things that, that you've experienced in your you, – you were in space. What's the longest period you were in space? Two weeks. Two weeks. That's yeah. with the same set of people. Right. And is, at a point, you're saying, you know, I heard that joke before. You got another one? Is it like two – an old married couple? It, it, you know, during – our missions were not as long as some of these – well, particularly something like going to Mars – but uh, space flight, I think, brings out the best in you, particularly when the chips are down and you need to get your job done and everyone cooperates. Wait, wait. Mike, I, that sounds like NASA boiler Right. I'm, 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 I'm trying to set you up. So, but, you know, we are the end, right stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I can see Mike walking in slow motion now. <laughs> Coming out of the hangar. Here he goes. All right. Okay. You busted me. But uh, there are times, particularly in training, because you spend a lot of time training together. Uh -huh. There's a couple of years of training before you go, and it's kind of like a family. So just like you might get annoyed at a family member, you still love them, but you might get annoyed and have little disagreements. That happens a lot. Usually by the time the mission shows up and you've got the objectives to fulfill, that's that takes that sounds like a right stuff thing. But yeah, there are times where, you know, you might have little annoyances. Why is this guy leaving this around? How come I just got <laughs> coffee in my eye because this guy was, you know, didn't close his little uh, straw on his drink bag and now I got hot coffee in my eye. Why do I see this piece of underwear again in front of me? Uh, whose aspirin just went down my nostril? You know, stuff like that. So you're, it, it, little things like that can kind of get to you. 
after a while. This, these are zero G cha- challenges. Zero G. These <laughs> are zero G challenges, and it, you know, and that's that's what happens. Yeah, because I don't think like that. that's a sentence that's never been uttered in the history of the world. Exactly. Your aspirin floated up my nostril. Well, I've got an, I've got an unusually large nose. This is radio, so I don't know how you portray that on radio. But I've got a really, which again makes me, according to the Japanese theory, I'm not a very good a candidate because my nose probably weighs more than most Japanese people. So I'm a little sensitive to the floating objects that could I could inhale. That's just unique to me. Uh, I don't even know how to follow. Where do we go after that? <laughs> so, I'm not sure how we got there. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is, you see, because two weeks is very different from Mars, because Mars it's almost a year to get there, right? And the full mission is is what it's like. It's it's ye- two years. It's yeah. almost two years yeah. because wow. what because you have to wait there. For Earth and Mars to realign in their orbits so yeah. you can get the minimum energy transfer yeah. back. So you talk about at least two it's, years, three years more likely. You, you're going to have conflict. And one of the things we do at at, uh, at NASA is that we do train in stressful environments. We go on National mm-hmm. Outdoor Leadership Training. We go uh, backpacking. Uh, I went um, on with my crew, my most recent crew, we went uh, kayaking in an extreme environment where you're dependent on each other. And Your it tax starts... money at work. Ah. Go. <laughs> Sending astronauts on vacation. Do, you do things that you do things. This is all training, but you, you try to get into an extreme environment on, on earth. Uh, where you start to recognize oh. when people get irritable, it and you reveals. start noticing that usually there's a reason why your crewmate is cranky, right? And it sometimes has to do with dehydration. Sometimes they're thinking about something at home that's bothering them. Maybe you're it's missing food. Com- comfort food. Comfort food. It could be a lot of things. So you recognize that in your crewmates, and you learn to deal with it. So it's so, really part of your training. In my interview with Mary Roach, who uh-huh. wrote the book Packing for Mars, we talk about food and what role that plays in the uh, health and stability of the astronauts. Let's check it out. I visited the Johnson lab where they make the food, yeah, and I tasted like eight-year-old pork chop. Yeah, me too. I tasted seven-year lifespan hashed browns. Hash browns? How, yeah, how hash are they? Eh. Yeah, okay. Eh. But better than the early, the, the stuff that's really interesting is from the Gemini and Apollo mm-hmm. era when they were really concerned with making the food low residue so that the astronaut could avoid using the bathroom system, which at that time was a bag. Right. Terribly. I always wondered bag. what food it would be so that would accomplish that. It's low fiber, highly processed. And, so you and absorb they, everything out of it. You absorb yeah. everything out of it. Yeah, and, and they would be really dense little egg bites. Well, I'm thinking whatever the food tastes like on Earth, if you've been away from Earth for a year, any food's got to taste good. You know, like you're camping, right. a can of yes, beans is I like, know. wow, this is amazing baked beans. Yeah. That's, because you're in the middle of nowhere and there's no other food. One of the things people come say, oh, I could never be an astronaut because you don't have any comforts of home. You don't have good espresso. You don't have this. You don't espresso. have that. But I think it's like backpacking. It's worth all the inconvenience, sleeping in an uncomfortable situation, eating horrible food. That's all worth it because you get to this amazing place. Same with space. Gotcha. So these astronauts, they don't care. They're not complaining about and that And they know it's stuff. basically temporary, however it's temporary, long temporary and you're, look out the window. Look what you're seeing. How amazing. So who cares that the food is absolutely horrible? And nowadays it's not as horrible. We actually did a whole uh, Star Talk on space food. Space food. You can find that in our archives on StarTalkRadio.net. So, Mike, what uh, what's your favorite food that you had in space? Well, first off, I'm glad she's not the cook. <laughs> because, uh, no, the food actually is pretty good in space, and it's easy to cook. You just add water, you put it in the oven. And uh, I don't know what it's going to be like going to Mars, but on the space station, on the shuttle, it's, it was uh, So what single food. food was really good? My favorite was a lasagna. 
Mm. Lasagna. Was it lasagna. like the way mom had made it? Not quite, but again, it was easier to cook. <laughs> <laughs> you just threw it in the It came bagged and it was ready. But it was delicious. We had lasagna, ravioli. You can tell my Italian's coming yeah. out here. And one of the great wait, things. Wait, 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 wait. You're yeah. like the guy who never, you know, still lives in your parents' basement. Get, that's it, exactly. That's, right. the, that's my comfort food. I, yeah, I, I felt on Sundays I'd have my lasagna. <laughs> nice. And every other day of the week. <laughs> Well, you know what? It just occurred to me that uh, with the stress and the food, Jamaicans would make great astronauts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You call them Rostonauts. Just like, yeah, yeah. man, everything's airy. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now eat that, man. It's delicious. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, when we get back, more on Packing for Mars from Star Talk Radio. This is Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. In studio, comedian Chuck Nice. Hey. And astronaut Mike Massimino. Why do we have an astronaut in studio? We're talking about going to Mars and all the challenges that that involves. We came off the segment talking about food, comfort food. What's your favorite? It, it, you you love the lasagna, but that, lasagna. lasagna's not comfort food. Give for, me some, for an some, Italian kid, it is. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, macaroni and cheese. You got mac and cheese. Uh, shrimp cocktail is a favorite. I don't know if that's comfort food. I really don't know what comfort food is. To me, it's food. Shrimp you cocktail. About anything. Comfort food for the bushes. Yes. All okay. right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 we have ham. Burgers, uh, <laughs> comfort food for the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, Depends on how well you want some. You, you want some good food. You know, she, the idea of, of wanting to look out the window and not worrying about food—that's when you're applying to get on the mission. Yeah, I don't need food. I'll eat granola bars. But after you get assigned, you're going to want to eat. So the quality of the food is going to have to be pretty good, I think. And Chuck, you said the Jamaicans would. Why would they make good astronauts? You because think about it, man. You, you know everything that you need to deal with your stress. And food issues are taken care of with one little Rasta puff. <laughs> is that what that, you know what you I mean? that works? Yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if your fellow astronaut is on you, hey, man, go ahead and smoke these. I'm, I'm, yeah, right? I'm guessing there's no smoking in space. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's not just that, but there's a few issues there. I don't know if we want to go there. But okay. that might not be an easy, it might sound like an easy solution, but, but not, it, not really. It might not work as well I'll as you, you think. We, 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 space we, flight is tough in that way. There's we just put it in a pouch, you add water and put it in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> no smoking, no smoking necessary. No comment. That's right. We put them in brownies. So what's fun <laughs> is if you create a Mars settlement, there's food you might bring, but maybe you don't want to bring food. You bring seeds, you bring sort of baby animals and then you sort of raise livestock on Mars. That way the astronauts wouldn't ha they didn't have a real burger. You know, you can have uh. like Kobe beef on Mars. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I interviewed Mary Mary Roach, author of Packing for Mars. Let's see what she says about Mars settlements. I think we know enough about space. We don't have to send animals to Mars first. What a waste of money that would no, be. No, no, nobody's going to do that. Unless mm -hmm. someone decides there was this wonderful paper from a 1964 conference on space nutrition and related waste issues. Okay, he... <laughs> That's the title of the conference? That's the title of the conference. <laughs> if you were to bring livestock to Mars, like if you're going to bring animals and have ranching going on, what would be the best species to bring in terms of how much it costs to launch them versus how many calories you get? And he did an analysis of cows. I would include taste in there too. Somehow quantify taste. I don't think he did because the winner was mice. Mouse stew. Ew! Yeah. So mice are more efficient. That's what he determined that you should I can't launch believe mice. That. You know, you know why I can't believe it? Because There's not much meat on a. That's mouse. what I'm saying. I once ate a squirrel when I was in Texas. Yeah. There's barely any meat on a squirrel. You know, there's nothing on a mouse. You gotta, well, you got to take it up with Max Kleiber. Could it be that mice they have a very short gestation period, so they that, can multiply their generations very quickly? That could have been it. 
But just think of the steer. Talk about waste issues. No, then it's fertilizer for the plants well, that or, you're going to grow. Or it becomes radiation shielding because you want your hydrocarbons. To, so manure so being manure. radiation shield. NASA has a device down at Ames that can take... Ames Research Center yes, in California. Yes. It's kind of like an easy-bake oven where you would take... <laughs> waste material and kind of plasticize it in a tile and you could line the capsule with that. On your way home, you'd use that for radiation. You take shoes. animal poop, put it in an easy or bake human, oven. Or human. Yeah, human. or humans are animals. Human. And so it hardens. Yeah. It becomes a tile, like, you know, like the ceiling tiles. And so you line your craft with this. It's a good radiation. And doesn't that smell? I mean, you have no, to coat it. It's, it's, it's sealed in plastic. But it is interesting because if you go to another place, you're thinking you're going to take food that you would be comfortable with eating and might want to sustain. So it'd be like right. an arc, right? You wouldn't just yeah. take a cow, you could take a cow and a bull. No, more likely a cow and bull sperm, right? Right, right. right. Okay, because right. bull sperm weighs less right. than a cow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just did the math on that one. That's <laughs> just how that works. Mm. <laughs> so, so, Mike, if you, could, if you eat mouse stew, would you, if that's all you could eat, would you go to Mars? Uh, that's what I would say when I, if that was my interview question, if I could go, yes. And then yeah. after I got assigned to the mission, I wouldn't be eating any mouse. Right. <laughs> Boy, mice cannot catch a break. I mean, I'm telling you. God. No, we're not eating mice. We're not eating mice. I'm telling you. I, you know, it's just it's just interesting using animal waste to line the aircraft because there's still this radiation problem unsolved. Yeah, you know, I, th I think it shows the way you have to think out of the box for these uh, for this type of trip. Uh, mm -hmm. And any crazy idea it might seem a little bit nutty. You need to to think about if it's going to help you. You need to think creatively. So that's more like thinking out of the butt, out of, not, yeah. out of the, <laughs> yeah. not out of yeah. the box. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Come, I can't hold it together. <laughs> the crappy shields are crapping out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick poop, we're in danger. <laughs> We need more poop. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to give some credence to it. <laughs> you know, it's just it's odd because it, it, it'll all change. You know, it's, yeah. it's just yeah. what we think of as what will sustain us. Right. You have to be. You know, we say that about other foods in other countries. Oh, it's yeah. a delicacy in whatever, yeah. and it's you know. Yeah, don't fall for that though. <laughs> when we come back, more on packing for Mars. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. This is Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, in studio, comedian Chuck Nice. Yes. Tweeting at Chuck Nice Comic. At Chuck Nice Comic, that's correct. You got it. And Mike Massimino, a living, active NASA astronaut, except we've got him here in studio now. Mm -hmm. You're not in space. No. Not in physical space. No, you're, you're... but I feel like I'm in orbit with you guys. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and you're 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 a, you you tweet. You're at yep. uh, Astro underscore Mike. That's correct. Astro Mike. Yep. All right, we'll find you there All in right. the Twitterverse. We're talking about going to Mars, and we've been slotting in clips of my interview with Mary Roach, who did a lot of research on this stuff. I never mm -hmm. knew mm -hmm. that people thought about considering what kind of animals you would eat en route that are efficient to deliver you protein, such as mice. Mice. Yeah. Well, I know, I know I've never heard of it because uh, they don't want us to know about it. <laughs> Maybe the yeah. food that they say is shrimp is yeah, reconstituted uh, mice. Now you're blowing my mind. <laughs> it's people! It's, it's people! It's people! <laughs> For those of you born after 1970, yeah. that was a reference that was a to reference. Soylent Green. That's a Soylent Green reference. Google it, kids. <laughs> so, you know, what's interesting is that it's a whole other kinds of engineering solutions. I mean, you put it, scientists aren't 
creative enough to think that way. You need an engineer to say, how do you sustain astronauts? It's, it's the job of engineers to yeah. solve these problems, right? Yeah, and there's a lot of, as you can see, you've got to think about everything. It's a long trip. It's, it's a lot to think about. And uh, one interesting consideration is if you are a slightly chubby, Mm-hmm. And we put you on a diet on on the way there. Mm-hmm. Then you are actually surviving off of your own stored foodstuffs. Oh. Think about that. So you binge before <laughs> the pre-flight meal, man. You're gonna go nuts. It's, it's like running a marathon. That's it. You get yeah. your carbo load. Carbo on. load. Carbo. Yeah. That'd be great. No, no that'd exercise. Be, well, that'd be just well. If you carbo load that, the carbo would just be coursing through your blood. That's why you carbo-load the night before you run. Okay. Because uh. when it's in your blood, the energy is immediately available. If you then don't use it and don't and it doesn't otherwise come out of you, then, then your body it turns, con- to fat. turns to fat. And those are your fat reserves. So you oh, gotta, this guy knows everything. He knows everything. It's unbelievable. <laughs> God. Are you making this up? Because Chuck and I, you know, we're, we're falling for it here, man. I, I just changed my whole menu for I'm lunch. I'm just saying. How'd you come up with this stuff? Well, it matters because it it's cost, it's expensive to, to send yeah. any extra pound on a spacecraft anywhere because that's true. fuel. Right, yeah. And this, I spoke with Mary, Mary Roach about limiting the weight on space missions. And let's see how that conversation went. The most extreme approach that I saw was this guy who suggested, and I think he was being serious, that NASA should recruit obese astronauts. And he figured out that for 50 pounds of excess weight, there's like 184,000 calories. So you would just basically starve the astronaut for the duration of the mission. That crossed my mind as well. So all you'd have to do is give them vitamins yeah, so that they right. have their... And they would burn off their fat. Burn off their own fat. Their own fat. And they'd get there in peak physical condition. But really, really grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, these are the people who are pushing buttons on the craft. That's yeah, interesting. Right. So has NASA considered this? I do not think so. You know, it's $10,000 yeah. a pound, I think, to get something into orbit. It is. That's, that's what I've heard. So you've got it's a fat butt and you try to get that up into orbit. That's, that's an expensive yeah, it butt. It seemed to me that it would be more expensive to launch the fat astronaut as expensive as it would be to launch all the food so where was your savings so it didn't yeah except that be. it's already yeah. part of your body right and the waste has already been expended from that could <laughs> <laughs> just ima- i'm trying to imagine the picture of the mercury seven all fit marines and then and like, the fat really... the fat seven yeah. going to mars imagine oh. them just sort of coming out of the hangar you know <laughs> <laughs> No, once you've already turned it into your own fat, it's, it's yeah. calories for it's you calories for later. On it. Yeah. See, I got the perfect solution. It's one fat astronaut that can pilot the ship back and then four other skinny astronauts that he will in turn eat <laughs> before the return trip. <laughs> I, I, okay, well, that'll be a research paper to be delivered. Uh, at, at, at. Now, here's the problem. The problem is we have a mindset that we got to take all the fuel we need with us and mm-hmm. all the food we need with us. Right. But all we need is some filling stations, some quick marts all, all along the route and on Mars. So then you don't have to load up in advance. That's the problem, Mike. Why don't yeah, we need we need uh, we need something out there? But something out there. Yeah, that would be yeah. Put a little cash out there. That would you know a cash of food. Oh, cash. C H C H. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, something that you can get out there. And the whole the the obese ash. I don't I don't know. I think that would that would just that wouldn't work. For the image. The image, the clothing. What are you going to do? He's going to, yeah, this is your tent to wear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Clothes cost, uh, big clothes are going to cost a lot to get to orbit. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. Plus, uh, I don't think it'd be good for morale. (laughs) 
The big and tall astronaut I don't think store. So. I don't, yeah, I don't. There you go. Well, plus you would need different uh, 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 changes of clothes as you lose weight along the way. That yeah, right. It'd be too complicated. I don't think. I just we're looking for fat astronauts. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't. Fat I, I don't see it. It, it. it goes against everything. The first lady's out doing push-ups on on all the TV shows, and now we're like, all right, you want to be an astronaut, kids? <laughs> Cut all that out. <laughs> Start playing video games and and, and eating, eating Doritos. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it just doesn't. I think it's totally counter to our culture. What are you doing? All you do is sit around, play video games, and eat chips. Right. What are you, I want to be an astronaut. Right. Mom. We, yeah, we've got to wrap. We've got parents are yelling at the kids. Stop. You know, stop exercising. Actually, there's plenty more yeah. of packing to Mars to come, but we got to wrap up our first hour. You've been listening to. Star Talk Radio. Mike and Chuck, you come back for another hour on this? Absolutely. Definitely. This is Star Talk Radio, funded in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. We'll be back shortly. 